To see images of some of the things talked about in this episode, check out the video version on our YouTube channel, including some pictures that I took myself. Just over 40 years ago, an anonymous group paid rather a lot of money to have an odd structure erected in a field between Elberton and Harwell in north-central Georgia in the United States, about 45 miles northeast of Atlanta. That's about 72 kilometers. It was a massive series of granite monoliths with enigmatic inscriptions carved into them. What could it mean? Food for thought in an age of increasing confusion? A message for the survivors of a future worldwide cataclysm? A to-do list for the new world order? This mysterious but innocuous monument to whatever the hell it is certainly has plenty of folks' hackles up. It's been vandalized repeatedly, had part of it stolen, and professional wingnuts practically froth at the mouth when talking about it. This is the story of the Georgia Guidestones, the American Stonehenge, a major trigger for the conspiracy-minded. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber, filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Georgia Guidestones. In the summer of 1979, a man calling himself R.C. Christian contacted Joe Fenley at the Elberton Granite Company with an interesting proposition. He needed some massive slabs of high-quality granite inscribed with very specific messages and placed in a very specific way in a field 13 miles north or so of town. They needed to be five big slabs of rock topped with a capstone, and the whole thing needed to be exactly 19 feet and 3 inches tall. That's 5.87 meters. Their arrangement would make the overall structure serve as a calendar, a clock, and a compass, and it needed to be able to withstand, quote, catastrophic events. Each face of the upright sections would be inscribed with certain things in several languages and alphabets. When asked who exactly it was that wanted such an unusual thing, this R.C. Christian fellow simply said that he represented, quote, a small group of loyal Americans who had been planning this project for 20 years and wished to remain anonymous. Well, this sure sounded like a wind-up, so the Elberton Granite Company quoted him a ridiculous price, many times higher than it would normally be, in an effort to kind of get rid of him. Much to their surprise, Mr. R.C. Christian simply agreed to the terms without question. So, the granite company got started. Christian gave them a scale model of what he wanted, and they got to work as he went about securing the land. On October 1st, he purchased a five-acre plot from a farm owned by Wayne Mullinex. The Mullinex family were not only paid $5,000 for the use of the land, but were given cattle grazing rights to the field in perpetuity. Christian eventually donated the land to the county. 
The project was completed, and on March 22, 1980, less than 10 months after that first approach, the nearly 240,000-pound monument to whatever the heck it was to was ceremoniously unveiled to a gathering of between 100 and 400 people, accounts vary. The contract stated that all plans for the monument should be destroyed after it was erected and Mr. Christian's identity be kept a secret. His true identity was only known to Joe Fenley of the Granite Company and the president of the Granite City Bank, Wyatt Martin, who had to see actual legal ID in order to approve the contract. The upright stones are arranged to create a calendar of the 18.6-year lunar declination cycle, which occurs because the moon moves a bit up and down when seen from the Earth every 13.66 days. There's a thing called the lunar standstill, which is about the moon's apparent angular measurement at moonrise and moonset and is complicated, and my mind just cannot seem to hold on to the details no matter how many web pages I read about it because it is, in fact, super boring unless that's really your gig and it's not mine. But suffice it to say that this period was important to several Bronze Age cultures who often built large megalithic structures to mark this, especially in the British Isles, and this may have been important to religions of the time. And the Georgia Guidestones are certainly a modern megalithic structure. There are a few holes drilled through the stones that allow you to see the North Star and the solar solstices, a horizontal slot that lets you track the sun's movements in the sky throughout the year, and a hole in the capstone shines sunlight at noon down to a spot indicating the day of the year. Pretty, Pretty cool, cool and good engineering, engineering Elberton, Elberton Granite, Granite Company. Company. On the ground around the structure are stone tablets set into the ground with a whole bunch of details about the thing's size and weight, where the granite came from, which is the nearby pyramid quarries, an inscription that reads, quote, Let these be guidestones to an age of reason, a list of the various languages used on the vertical slabs, and an indication that there is a time capsule buried there, but there's no date for when it should be unearthed and opened, so maybe there isn't a time capsule there. It also says you can get more information at the Elberton Granite Museum and exhibit on College Avenue in Elberton, Georgia. Oh, and it says that the sponsors are, quote, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason, and the author of the text is, quote, R.C. Christian, and then it says in parentheses, a pseudonym, except the word pseudonym is misspelled pseudonin, N-Y-N. So, maybe, maybe not, not such, such great, great work, work after, after all, all Elberton, Elberton Granite, Granite Company. Company. Around the edges of the square capstone, there's writing in Babylonian cuneiform, classical Greek, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, and Sanskrit. But the real eye candy, and the source of all the hubbub, is what's inscribed on those granite slabs. There are ten guidelines, all written in English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. That reference about the age of reason evokes the enlightenment to many people. To others, perhaps a bit more academic, it may also bring to mind Thomas Paine's late 18th century, early 19th century book by the same name. Okay, so far so interesting, but what could the purpose of these 10 points carved into rock that can withstand catastrophic events in several languages possibly be? I mean, it sure was a lot more expensive than simply publishing a book or a magazine article. And why all the mystery and the secrecy around the project? Diving, Diving deeper. deeper. 
While on a trip to the U.S. recently, I went to see the Guidestones. The very first thing I thought echoes what Brad Meltzer says on his TV show, Decoded, in the episode 10 of the first season, that this looks like someone thought that mankind might drop the ball and royally screw up, creating some kind of a catastrophe or a series of catastrophes that would end up killing most people on Earth and wiping out civilization as we know it. The few left behind would eventually come across these guidestones and use the advice thereon to rebuild civilization, maybe a little bit better and a little bit fairer than it was before. The anonymity was A, so that people today would focus on the message and not who was behind it and trying to ascribe motives, and B, if civilization collapsed, this small group of loyal Americans would be unknown to those who came after, so why take up the space on the slabs? Even though the word pseudonym is misspelled, one does have to look at the fake name given to the granite company, R.C. Christian. Anyone who spent any time looking into religious esoterica has heard of the Rosicrucians or the Order of the Rosy Cross, which supposedly was started by a Christian Rosenkreuz, which is German for Rose Cross. The order, if they actually existed, would often use the initials RC to indicate their authorship or interest in this and that. That's certainly what conspiracy filmmaker Jay Wiedner thought, though frankly anyone with even passing familiarity of the Rosicrucians would see the same thing. The Rosicrucians supposedly came about in 17th century Europe, a secret society who explored mysteries of the past, which they thought held secrets about the physical world, the world of the spirit, and the kingdom of God, Jesus and his mission here, and so on. It mixed Christian ideas and teachings with mystical traditions from the East, Jewish Kabbalah, Sufism, alchemy, the secrets of the Knights Templar, and so on. Their focus was on a kind of scientific exploration of the unseen. And true to their name, their main symbol was a cross with a rose at the center. So that name, R.C. Christian, sure seems like a hint like, hey, we're Rosicrucians and we're still around in the late 20th century. Maybe. Now let's keep in mind what's going on at the time. There's the Cold War, threat of nuclear annihilation, early warnings about humans adversely affecting the dynamic and little understood ecosystem of the Earth, overpopulation, and so on. And while the Guidestones go up in 1980, R.C. Christian said that the project had been in the works for 20 years, so that means it was started around 1960. That's deep Cold War time right there, just a few years after Khrushchev's We Will Bury You line in 1956. It must have seemed to some, at least, like it was all about to come crashing down any day now. Plus, six years after the unveiling of the monument, R.C. Christian left a book under the authorship of, quote, Robert Christian, and which you can buy at the Elberton Granite Museum, called Common Sense Renewed, which contains talking points that sound a lot like what Republicans used to sound like, if you're old enough to remember. Traditional families are disintegrating, there's too much regulation on industries, welfare is bad, and all that kind of stuff. It also has warnings about overpopulation, worry that we're making, quote, an atomic tinderbox, and the only way to stop international conflicts is to form a world government so that we all identify as one nation, one people. Anyway, the anonymous group who commissioned the Guidestones almost certainly had it in their minds that it was distinctly possible that we were going to have a nuclear war and wipe out a sizable portion of the human population and knock civilization back a few millennia. So now let's look at the 10 items on the Guidestones themselves. The first two are, number one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, and two is guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. 
Now, these two get some people's hackles up. Why, that sounds like eugenics, they cry, especially that bit about improving fitness. But most eugenicists are not really interested in maintaining diversity, which is also mentioned there. Keep in mind, the world's population hasn't been around 500 million since 1650 or so, so they really must have thought we were going to do a real number on ourselves. Another indication that they possibly thought these stones would be used by a handful of survivors is the use of that word maintain, as if we would be under that number and we shouldn't let it get above that number. But of course, some people don't pay attention in English class, and so they think that it means kill the population today until it gets down to 500 million, which is not what the word maintain means. The third item is unite humanity in a living new language. Now, some folks read that and go, aha, since part of the whole spiel that they have is that evil powers that want to control all humans on the planet need a world government, a world currency, a world religion, and a world language. I guess the idea there is that because we don't have all of those things, that's why they haven't taken over yet. Bible thumpers who misinterpret the biblical tale of the Tower of Babel to be about humankind being arrogant, which is not what the Bible says, also see some sort of evil plot to be arrogant by all of us speaking one language because somehow that's arrogant. Most people don't seem to have a problem with items four and five, which are four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. And five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. However, item six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court also freaks a lot of people out. A world court? What madness is this? Surely these villains must mean some kind of a, a binding world court, unlike the world court that exists today that the United States routinely ignores. The nerve of these people. <coughs> Item 7 says, avoid petty laws and useless officials, which sounds pretty good. In fact, that's right in line with Confucius' ideals. And Confucius was Chinese, and the Chinese are communists. Wait a minute. Item 8 says, balance personal rights with social duties, which many American patriots think sounds like enforced collectivization, though it very much echoes sentiments that have been expressed by many world leaders over the decades. I'm thinking of JFK's ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, for example. And items 9 and 10 are a little hippy-dippy tree-huggery. 9 is prize truth Beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And number 10 is, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Yes, that last bit is repeated twice. A little bit environmentalist perhaps, but nothing to really freak out that much about. Unless you own a bunch of stock in an oil company, maybe. Mountains, Mountains out of molehills. Mole all told, these 10 bits of advice for rebuilding a decent civilization don't really seem like bad advice and certainly nothing to get too worked up about, right? right. After all, they're, they're stuck, stuck on, on some big, big pieces, pieces of granite, granite standing, standing in a field, in, a field in, the in the middle of nowhere. But as I've already indicated, some people have managed to find some quite objectionable things indeed there. Though honestly, some of those people would probably find something to wring their hands over on the back of a cereal box. Some of the reactions out there, however, have been quite disproportionate to say the least. Some people say that the 10 points are, quote, the 10, the ten commandments, commandments of, the, of Antichrist. the Antichrist. 
though why the Antichrist wants us to love nature, I don't know. When the Guidestones were unveiled, a local minister said he did not think, quote, Mr. Christian is a Christian, and that the monument is, quote, for sun worshipers, for cult worship, and for devil worship. One such person who has a rather extreme view of the Guidestones is YouTube performing paranoia monkey Mark Scholdrice, who prefers to be called Mark Dice, so I will use his real name instead because I hate him. Also, by the way, he used to call himself John Connor, a reference to the leader of the anti-machine resistance in the Terminator movies. I mean, <laughs> what a tool this guy is. Mark Scholdrice is the man that even Fox News says is, quote, a conspiracy theorist who believes that Freemasons worship Satan and that the United States military has built enormous underground cities for the political elite. Scholdrice is one of those people who find the Starbucks mermaid offensive because boobies and organizes boycotts of the thoroughly mediocre film adaptation of the slightly less mediocre Dan Brown book Angels and Demons because it's, yes, here's his quote, a fraud aimed at covering up the existence of a secret society called the Illuminati. He's cute, acting like he's revealing to the world in 2009 that there's a group called the Illuminati, which actually started in Bavaria back in 1776. For more on that, check out a previous episode of this podcast. He thinks the Illuminati were the culprits behind 9-11 in New York and the 2007 subprime mortgage financial collapse. He also thinks Jay-Z and Beyonce are members of the secret cabal, except he, of course, has sussed them out because he's such a clever boots. And he thinks that Super Bowl halftime shows for the last 10 years have all been Illuminati rituals, quote, hiding in plain sight. Oh, he's also rabidly anti-gay and talks a lot about sluts and skanks. So draw your own conclusions there. I know I have. Oh, yeah, and he's racist. Suffice it to say that Mark Scholdreis does not like the Georgia Guidestones. In fact, in 2005, he said they should be, and I quote again, smashed into a million pieces and then the rubble used for a construction project. Why? Because they, and again I quote, have a deep satanic origin and message and the new world order is written all over them. He finds all 10 points of the stones to be filled with satanic ideas like ignore bad politicians. He also says he knows who R.C. Christian was and that this person has openly admitted to being part of the New World Order, an organization which does not actually exist. As I said, the banker certainly knows the true identity, and there's been a lot of speculation as to who this guy was. Some people in Georgia feel it might be Ted Turner, who, despite being Republican, is also into all sorts of new agey stuff, but nobody really knows. So Mark Scholdreis doesn't like the Guidestones, but he's nothing compared to conspiracy-minded rage addict and Steve Bannon sock puppet Alex Jones, host of InfoWars and still in the running for the prize of worst person in the world. In among his rabid ravings about supposed false flags, weather manipulation, atheists, fluoride, Justin Bieber, Powerball, the Obamas, lesbians, Satanists, Carrie Fisher, nerds, gay frogs, and hints that he's actually Bill Hicks, who faked his own death, he has also managed to find time to rail against five granite slabs in a field in Georgia. In his 2007 film Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement, he talks about their obvious evil intent, finding in those first two items, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature and guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity, proof 
of a centuries-long eugenics and world depopulation conspiracy run by Satanists, oh, and also Microsoft, and also the band U2. He's repeatedly called upon good God-fearing folk to tear them down because he says they are blueprints for the New World Order. Because helping to cover up the warning of the impending New World Order takeover will certainly stop the New World Order? As the website Rational Wiki asks in their Crack Bonanza section in their entry on the Guidestones. Spurred by revelations from their favorite wingnut of choice, conspiracy people went after the Guidestones in 2008, vandalizing them repeatedly. They painted slogans on it like, God is stronger than the NWO, the elite 80% wants us dead, Jesus will prevail, 9-11 inside job, Obama is a Muslim, is spelled I-Z, and skull and bones sucks dick, sucks spelled S-U-C-S. Once someone splashed a whole can of paint on one of the faces, adding LOL next to it. People have also put two-part epoxy on them to cover up the evil message, which is very hard to remove without damaging the stone. And in later years, all sorts of things have been written up there, including an upside-down pentagram containing the words God is superstition, and also the graffiti, the dude abides. The following year, a fellow named William Ellis of Alabama, along with two buddies from Florida, stole a small piece of granite from the top of one of the stones on September 11, 2009. Four years later, in August 2013, this brainiac was apprehended by police trying to put it back. When questioned, he said he'd taken it for, quote, personal esoteric and numerological reasons, but then he decided that he, quote, didn't want the weight anymore. He was caught because police responded to all the vandalism the previous year by installing cameras all around the monument. He was charged with felony theft by taking interference with government property and second-degree criminal damage to property. The company that manages the Guidestones had not decided whether to put the 6x6x6-inch bit of rock back, but they did have it removed. Then, in the summer of 2014, a new little cube of granite the same size mysteriously appeared in the hole created by Mr. Ellis of Alabama. Each of its six faces had an inscription. One was M.M., another was J.A.M., then the number 16, the number 8, the number 20, and the number 14. Well, tongue sure got a wagon over that. You can be sure many a new conspiracy theory was hatched, ranging from it's all about 9-11 to an Ebola outbreak that had recently happened to the Simpsons, to beloved children's character Curious George. George equals Georgia. He was taken from Africa by the man in the yellow hat, and Ebola comes from Africa. Come on, think about it. And you think I'm making this up, but I am not. And then in November, a fellow named Michael Massanelli made a YouTube video claiming he was the one responsible for the new cube and that it represented his marriage on August 16th, 2014, to his wife, Jennifer Ann Massanelli. He's the MM, she is the JAM, and the numbers are their wedding date. Incidentally, Massanelli is a numerologist and conspiracy dude, and he's been friends with William Ellis of Alabama ever since they met at the Guidestones some years before. In 2010, computer guy and devout Christian Van Smith said that he had done research, unquote, and uncovered that the Guidestones are the harbinger of the Antichrist, who will be an Islamic messianic type figure known as a Mahdi, and also that if you do a bunch of measurements and calculations, because he's a computer guy, right? They are associated with the new Tower of Babel, which he says is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, which was built to mark, quote, the dawning of a new era in which man can become God. 
In 2015, he wrote a blog post on his website, vanshardware.com, saying that R.C. Christian was a white supremacist doctor from Iowa named Herbert Kirsten and also maybe Nobel winner and racist William Shockley. Conspiracy opportunist and unbelievably congressperson for Georgia's 14th district, Marjorie Taylor Greene, hints darkly on Facebook in 2018 that 9-11 and Sandy Hook were both false flags, offering as proof the following statement. That is all true. By the way, I've seen the Georgia guide stones, but she doesn't capitalize guide or stones and she makes them separate words. I understand though, Elbert County's not in her district, so how is she supposed to know? How exactly advice on living in harmony with nature, have fair courts, and not let the world's population get too big somehow points to Sandy Hook and the September 11th terrorist attacks is unclear. But that's the game she and others like her play. Juxtaposition is enough, they think, in the postmodern conspiracy landscape. I suspect that she's taken item number seven on the list, avoid petty laws and useless officials, rather personally, though petty is a pretty polite word for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Hey, it ain't all bad. Now, not everyone is freaked out by the Georgia Guidestones. There have been weddings there. Yes, even some Christian ones. Plenty of New Agers think it's some kind of center of power. People go there to perform rituals and play Grateful Dead songs on acoustic guitars, sometimes in earnest, sometimes just to be irritating. And one imagines quite a few people go there to smoke a fatty and ponder things. Other people claim that they have received psychic messages directly from the stones themselves, probably after a large number of bong hits. It has been noted that the location may not be as seemingly random as it might at first seem. The local Cherokee people once called this whole part of Northeast Georgia Al-Yali Alohi, which means the center of the world. And they used it for large gatherings of the Cherokee Nation and later to meet white traders before, you know, those people decided that they wanted the land and kicked them all out. There's even a state historical marker about this just eight miles north on Highway 21 heading north towards the town of Hartwell. Coincidence? Some say not. Though, of course, just about everywhere in the United States was land once used by First Nations people, so it's kind of hard not to run across that history someplace. The Hopi people had several prophecies about the end of the world as we know it and the formation of a fifth world to replace ours, which is the fourth world. Some people think that the Georgia Guidestones are a sign that this prophecy is about to pass. Of course, the Hopis live in what's now Arizona, about 1,800 miles west of the Guidestones, but I guess one Native American tribe is as good as another tribe for some people, mostly white people, let's be honest. Seeing is believing. At any rate, the Georgia Guidestones are a pretty interesting and, dare I say, stimulating project. Joe Fedley took the secret of R.C. Christian's real identity to his grave. He died in 2005, and now Wyatt Martins of Granite City Bank is the only other person who knows who Christian was. He even had dinner with Christian a couple of times, and he vows he will never reveal the truth. Still, the mystery tantalizes some and obsesses others. The Guidestones are referred to in numerous conspiracy books and even get a whole book all to themselves, the 2012 The Georgia Guidestones, America's Most Mysterious Monument by historian and broadcaster Raymond Wiley from nearby Athens, Georgia. He spends some time in there trying to track down Christian's true identity, but really to no avail. 
The Guidestones also feature many podcasts, like this one, and even some conspiradogs. There's Alex Mad Dog Jones's 2007 movie. There's Dark Clouds Over Elberton, the true story of the Georgia Guidestones by Bible-loving filmmaker Christian J. Pinto, which, after what he says is five years of investigation, thinks that they are proof that all talk of environmentalism is really about population control. Pinto has made a number of scary conspiracy films, including one about how Harry Potter is really just spiritual warfare against Christianity, Atlantis, the Illuminati, of course he did, esoteric connections to the founding of America, and lots and lots of Christian apocalypse stuff. There's also a rather smart 2017 film called Etched in Secret by Matt Frederick of the fantastic How Stuff Works and Stuff They Don't Want You to Know podcasts. And there's the Kickstarter-funded 2012 doc, The Georgia Guidestones Movie, catchy title, by Mark Resser, Paul Freud, and Christy Sinkson, which won Best Regional Documentary at the Charleston Film Festival and features original music by Athens music star Kyle Dawkins. And there's an award-winning interactive web series, also from 2012, just called Guidestones, that is fiction but supposedly based on the true story of two journalism students who were investigating an unsolved murder but uncovered a worldwide conspiracy to reshape civilization instead. You can watch it online via the show's website. In fact, check the episode notes for links to all the stuff that's mentioned here. To visit the Guidestones, head to Elberton, where you can also take in the wonders of the Granite Museum. Then take Highway 77, the Hartwell Highway, north 10, 12 miles or so. It's an easy-to-miss intersection, but take a ride on Guidestone Road northwest, and the monument is very close to Highway 77. It's free and open to the public during daylight hours. However, there are zero facilities. That includes bathrooms, and you have been warned. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearing House. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.